This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome in, everybody. It is Kenny and Heilprin. Happy Tuesday. Unfortunately, given the fact that it is baseball season, we have been doxxed off the air, kicked off by the Brewers broadcast. We're in podcast form today. Ben Kenny, Mr. Zach Heilprin, a busy man who is thrilled baseball is back. What's up, buddy? Yeah, I made my annual uh, pilgrimage to American Family Field yesterday to watch Brewers, and they hammered them, and uh, it was good. You, you know my favorite part of a blowout, Ben? That you can write the story in the fifth inning? Yes. That's yep. exactly what I did. Um, as soon as, yes, as soon as Bryce Trang hit the grand slam, story's done. The story's done. And so you're able to get it done and then go downstairs and get your audio and you're good to go. You can jump on the road and spend uh, an hour in traffic trying to get out of uh, American Family Field. But no, yeah, it's, it, I don't hate baseball. I hate watching baseball on TV and I hate <laughs> slow baseball. And so the pitch clock, big fan of it. Um, and the faster everything goes, the better. So that's that's kind of where I'm at. Like I, I like things being structured. If I need to know I'm going to be spending three and a half hours watching football, I know I'm going to be spending three and a half hours watching football. I'd like to kind of have a little bit better idea in baseball of whether it could be two hours and 15 minutes or freaking five hours. So, um, yes, uh, not a big baseball guy, but um, I don't mind going to a game or two. I've always been of the opinion, though, if you're going to go to a baseball game, you need to be drinking, and I can't necessarily do that while covering the game. So... That's my that's my spiel on baseball, and I I know you have opinions, and I, uh, we're not going to hear them today because we're talking football. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, and I want to address <laughs> all of it. Should we just do an hour on baseball? We should not and see how many people get mad. Maybe yeah, we, yeah, we should not. We we can spend an hour on baseball on Thursday, right? Because we got uh, we got a two hour show coming up on yes. Thursday. Yes, I was going to mention that. So obviously, you are listening to us in podcast today. Coming up on Thursday. Our buddy Grant Bills is off, which means that we are in from four to six live from Monk's Bar and Grill for both hours. It's actually our last show at Monk's. So, Zach, I was going to propose this, and I, I don't know if you're going to say yes, but I'll do it. For those that want to come out and hang out, the Brewers don't play, so there's no distraction or no other activities to do. I, I think I might buy some beers if people want to come out and hang out after the show uh, and or during when we're there I'm from six. Yeah, I'm I'm good with that. So I I've not had I've I've been very good then. I've been very good. Um I have not had a drink since New Year's. Uh yeah. But I'm doing it for an for an obvious well, maybe not an obvious reason, but doing it. I told this when when he, when you were gone and Ebo was on the show, I I talked about this. Um we got, I got married last March. I thought that that was going to be the end of it. Um you know, in terms of celebrating. It's not my wife is forcing us to do a reception and we're doing the reception April 15th. And during football season, uh, through a variety of reasons, not just because it was football season, I put on 30 pounds. And so uh, I was like, holy crap. All right. Well, need to kind of put the effort into uh, losing some of that uh, before this reception. So uh, gave up drinking and, and gave up fried foods, uh, which I loved at Monk's. Um, and so it's been a really, really tough last three months going to monks every weekend or every week and uh, not being able to drink or, or have anything else. Um, but I'm in a better spot, lost 25 of the 30 so far. So, um, 
you know, I'm, I may have a beer or two on Thursday to celebrate. We'll see. Hell yeah. Oh, let's do it. And, and you know me, I'm not one to necessarily uh, drink during the week at all. So that's yeah. even, that's a step for me, but that's good to hear. Um, yeah. So an hour on baseball, an hour on eating habits. Yes. And then we get uh, to football. A little suggestion. Don't go and uh, drink four days a week and eat a whole bunch of st- bad stuff and then uh, travel and eat a whole bunch of bad more stuff and uh, don't work out. And because it, it, it jumps on quickly. It jumps on quickly. It does. Especially, yep. especially when you, especially when you hit 40. Yeah. At, at least for me, for those out there that do care, the only thing that's drawing me to exercise is to get in better golf shape. Because I've been in, <laughs> I've been in moments where I, I have a bad back and it's been, I've been in moments where I've gotten a little bit out of shape, just pliability, flexibility wise. And then my golf swing has really suffered as a result. So I feel you. That's, that's my motivation to get out on the course, which by the way, last weekend got out, played 18 holes. It was terrific at the Oaks, right? Yeah. High thirties felt like 27 bundled all up actually played pretty well. No, good. Good to hear. It was good. Um, all right, let's talk football. So yeah, again, live at monks bar and grill sun Prairie for two hours from four to six. That'll be up in podcast form as well on Friday morning. So if you listen to us in podcast, normally you'll find it there. Spring practice talk. I mean, we might mention some baseball. I figure there's some overlap in the listening audience. So spring practice, when we last spoke, that was on Thursday. There have been two practices since then on Saturday and on Tuesday. And a lot to come out Saturday, given all the tweets coming out of practice, was the CJ Williams day, which I think is exciting and notable. Uh, And then today, more chatter about wide receivers. If we had to dispel it down, I guess well, we're where we're going to start today. We had to dispel it down to one or two big takeaways, one or two big storylines, as we've kind of hit the the big points as practices have gone along before getting into the more minutia of it. What are the big thoughts from the last couple of days? Yeah, well, I think we kind of talked about it on Thursday where Tanner Mordecai had a day on Thursday, like where I, I was kind of worried after the first couple of days that he was <laughs> that uh, we hadn't said anything positive about him, and he had a nice day Thursday. But his last two days have been really good, and I thought he was really sharp on Tuesday morning. There were a couple balls that he put in spots that probably should not have been able to get through, but he did. Uh, hit Will Pauling down the middle on this on a pretty, pretty like 30-yard throw. Ball went about 20 yards, somehow got it through Jordan Turner and Hunter Wohler. And then later in the practice, he went down the right sideline and uh, fitted in between Wohler and Alexander Smith to Chimray DK on another just beauty, beautiful throw. Th- those two stand out, but there were a, a number of other ones that that he made, and it just feels like he's feeling more comfortable with this offense, more comfortable with these guys, and it's starting to result in some nice plays down the field. And um, to me, that has kind of is what stood out offensively. You know, you have the in- individual plays from the – the wide receivers and CJ Williams certainly was the, that was the case on Saturday. And, you know, Keontes Lewis is a favorite target of Mordecai's. Uh, we saw Chimray DK make plays today. Um, some other guys as well, but w- when it comes down to it, Tanner Mordecai, the last two practices has been the guy that I think the coaching staff w- was hoping he was going to be when they brought him in here. And so that to me is like the over uh, the, the, the big takeaway for me in these last two practices. So he's starting to pass the eye test. Yes. As days go by. 
I mean, that's yep. huge, obviously. That's what Spring's for, though, right? When you talk about a new offensive system and a new staff and a new quarterback, it's about the progression. So you say it's safe to say that we've seen or you have seen progression from the passing game and from the offense as days have gone on? Yes, and and that's to be expected, right? Because like we talked about it, the first four practices are supposed to be the install of the offense, and the next four are going to be the buildup, and then you you take off from there, like whatever it's going to, you know, the last, what, five practices? Like what exactly are the last six practices are going to be? Um, God, I can't do math. It is the last uh, seven practices. I'm an idiot. Uh, but the ability to build it up and then kind of take it off to the next level. And it feels like early here, Tanner Mordecai has been able to kind of take it to the next level. Now, again, some of that has to do with Wisconsin's defense and maybe the lack of depth that they have at cornerback right now. Um, a bunch of young guys playing positions. And I, I know we'll talk about maybe some of the things that they're perhaps trying to do to um, deal with that. Uh, some of the steps that they're trying to to take to remedy that situation. But yes, the passing game has been exactly what you want it to be. I think these last two practices for sure. It's not that there weren't plays made on both sides. Some of the young DBs made plays. Uh, Ricardo Holman had a really good practice today. I think he's had a really good spring. Um, but the passing game has been a lot more successful this spring than it was uh, the last few years. And some of that, obviously uh, is to be expected. Yeah, Wisconsin, you mentioned the looking for help. They're in the portal looking for a corner, and we're going to get to that a little later. I mean, on Mordecai, like coming into the spring, obviously given he's a senior and his stature in the game, seemed clear that he was going to be the starter. I think just from what I've been able to see from, from him in his career compared to two younger guys, he gives you the best chance to win in the long run when everything does click. And... Does he have the ceiling that others have? I mean, safe to say, maybe not, given the fact that he didn't go into the draft and wasn't a top three pick coming out of college. But overall, when you look at the room, I mean, he gives you the best chance to win, which I don't want to I don't want to do a victory lap because it's not necessary. But the Nick Evers commitment yet, was, was very, very <laughs> exciting. No, seriously, we go back to December and, and Nick Evers commits. It was one of the first big transfers they landed. It was the first quarterback they landed. It was very exciting, and I did think it signaled more success to come, more of a of an interest for top players to play at Wisconsin, to play in Phil Longo's offense. But I came on when, when we did the show afterwards, and I wasn't necessarily comfortable with him starting next year, despite the star ranking and despite the talent. I wanted a guy that had had, had experience and had shown more at the college level. I mean, through however many practices, like that's that's exactly where we're at. It's a guy like Mordecai who has been in three different buildings so far, has shown an ability to pick up different offenses. That's kind of what you need to do when you move around. And now as time went on, even if the first couple practices weren't incredible, it was something to me where, okay, time is what is going to fix this. Just as they keep going, as he gains a rapport, as he keeps running the offense, I trust his talent a lot to get him to that point of, of becoming a really good starter and having probably a really good season. And then all the ever stuff and Braden Locke as well, we see as the years go by. I, yes. If anything, what we've seen through these first five practices is that Nick Evers isn't ready. Um, and again, it's five practices. 
but Brayden Locke is closer to playing right now than Nick Evers. So if it was if it had ended up being just Nick Evers, I think they'd be in trouble. Um, then again, you know maybe Chase Wolf is still here. I still think they'd be in trouble. Um, but at that point, got, though, Zach, people called me a bucket of cold water and an idiot, and that, that's well, what I was trying to well, say. Yeah, right, because right because there's no way Nick Evers is coming here without the only reason he's coming here is he's going to start. Like that's the only reason he would come. Um, he's not gonna he's he's not gonna be okay with with other transfers. And then they got Mordecai, and then they had him braid Locke, and it was like, oh, oh, okay, all right. Um, Tanner Mordecai changed their maybe the maybe they didn't change it for some people because maybe some people thought Nick Evers was going to be this great thing right away. Um, but to me, it, it changed their their ceiling. It changed expectations for him because you have a guy that's proven that's done it. We think Nick Evers at some point may be able to do it, but Tanner Mordecai changes who they can be this year. Um, and we're starting to see that some of some of that in practice. But had they just stuck with just one guy, which I never think they would have done, because this isn't not to be like this, but this isn't Paul Chris. Paul Chris. Yep. He's not he's not just gonna oh, we got Graham Mertz. All right. It's not like they didn't try to add pieces to that room, but it, it, the competition was non-existent. And Phil Longo is not going to do that. He's going to pack that room just like every other big program in the country does. And whoever comes out on the best is the best. And whoever doesn't ends up somewhere else. That's just the way it is going to be. And uh, I know these guys are transfers. So it's a little bit different than uh, recruiting like two five-star or two four-star guys and whichever one doesn't, you know, ends up in the portal. But this was the obviously right way to attack it. And it ended up landing them a guy in Tanner Mordecai, who's got a chance to be, have a pretty special season, assuming everything, you know, works out the way that they want it to. It was a great plan. I, I think it was executed. I mean, even before Mordecai happened, they were out there looking at Brendan Armstrong who visited and then yep. Mordecai becomes available and things change. But still, even if Mordecai had never entered the portal, had he gone to the draft, there was a clear need there or a want for another veteran. And, and again, I think Mordecai, probably next to Sam Hartman, who went to Notre Dame, was a best-case scenario coming out of the portal. I'm yeah. looking at the schedule, and here I go again, looking in the future and blindly projecting. But I, I think that there's probably one game I see, which is hosting Ohio State just because of what they have had at quarterback in the last decade. There's only one game on the schedule where I think Wisconsin will have the second best quarterback on the field. Maybe two. I'll give you Cam Ward at Washington State. But what are the other ones there? Like every other team that they're playing, whether it's it's in division or cross division in the Big Ten specifically, is either replacing a guy and the guy that's coming in is no experience, like a Luke Altmeyer at Illinois, or Hudson Card has a little experience at Purdue. There is Cade McNamara at Iowa, who I, I think Mordecai's better than him. I like Cade McNamara a lot, but I, I think Mordecai is a better player. And then Northwestern is Northwestern. We don't know what the Nebraska quarterback situation will, will turn out to be. And then the question is, Cali McManus at Minnesota, can he take a big step? But, but you mentioned, like, changes their ceiling for this year. It's like, yeah, they could have the quarterback advantage in almost every game they play. And when's the last time we've said that? Jack Cohn in every game that they played. No, almost in, in a oh. majority of games, but that might not even be the case. They might've gone up against better quarterbacks. They just had a better team. I'm sure. Well, I mean, I'm yes. 
right? Uh, I don't remember who all the quarterbacks were in 2019. I don't want to go through it. Um, but Jack played really, really well. He wasn't the best quarterback every game, but he played really well and they had a good team and he had good players around him. So it, it helped out. And I think Wisconsin has really good players around Tanner Mordecai. So it's going to help out, but yeah, it's, it's probably been a while. I mean, I mean, you'd have to go back to Russell. If, if it's not, if it's not Jack Cohn, you probably have to go back to Russell. Which is, that's the, which is, which is the, that's which is the answer. Him. Yeah. Which is the answer to everything. When you talk about best quarterback, this best quarterback, that it's always, well, I guess, I guess going back to Russell. Right. So yeah, there's, which is obvious, but. I'm sorry. I misspoke. Wisconsin played Nebraska in 2018 and they had Adrian Martinez. So there are probably a couple more games in there. Justin Fields, Adrian Martinez, guys like you're that. Gonna t- you're, t- you're taking Adrian Martinez over Jack Cohn? No, it was a joke. No. Oh, okay, gotcha. It was a joke. Sorry. But, My but bad. you look at the team and all the success they had, like Shea Patterson was at Michigan. He didn't turn out to be very good. The Badgers destroyed Michigan that day. Justin Fields feel- is, is the one at Ohio State. But I mean, when, when you have a quarterback advantage, and Nate Stanley at Iowa was really good, but but when you have that type of advantage, it's something where Wisconsin has been lacking in almost every game they've played for recent years. When you have that advantage, that is a, a very significant piece. For sure. For sure. Uh, and and hopefully that's what they have in, in Mordecai. And again, I don't know if it is what they have in Mordecai, but it he's he's their best chance. He's he's their best chance probably since Jack Cohn uh for that. To, to give them a chance every single game. But I think he has more playmaking ability than Jack Cohn does. He is more especially, athletic. Especially with I'll his legs. Especially with his legs. And he's got a better arm. So, I mean, those, those are two better things. But Jack was really good with the ball that year for the most part. And that, necessarily, that, that hasn't necessarily been the greatest strength of Tanner Mordecai. And I think when it comes down to it, you're going to take a guy who's going to protect the ball more so than a guy who's going to be um, giving it up. And some of the throws that Tanner made today – are against a really good defense, but are probably going to be questionable throws at times um, in games. Because if you don't make it, oof, you could be going the other way. But today, they got through. They were really good passes. Dimes, absolutely perfect where they had to be. But he has had you know some turnover problems at times in his career. Speaking Not of be taking care of the ball, Zach, I want to get to the wide receiver core in a second and about whether things to come out of practice are significant or just the flow of practice. But speaking of taking care of the ball, a lot was made on Saturday as well coming out of it about the pace. And I heard you and Jesse talk about it on the camp about how it felt like everything was a two minute drill. They were taking snaps with what? 30 seconds left on the clock. 25. Yeah. I mean, every during one possession or one portion of team drills on Saturday, the clock never got below 30 for either the first or second team offense. Um, and like they, they broke. Yeah. I mean, and they, right. Uh, no violations though. No violations. No, no Carlos Carrasco uh, with Wisconsin uh, Which is, on Saturday or today. By the way, I didn't throw this in when you mentioned the pitch clock. I like it when there are no runners on base, but I, I don't like the idea of it just to put that publicly out there. All right, thank you. Anybody I'm that follows you on t- anybody that follows you on Twitter certainly understands that. Um, and I've gotten several hey. messages. I've gotten several messages from people. Um, That's just kind words for like one person messaged you, and had some uh, 
had some concerns. Mm, okay, if you say so. But I've gotten several Wait, messages. What was about, I about this? What was situation. I getting ripped yesterday for? When when you posted the picture of the X golf, and oh. I probably stopped in there to test my swing. What did that have to do with anything? I wasn't. That had nothing. It had nothing. Yeah, it had nothing to do with you whatsoever. I don't. I, it felt like a little bit of ricochet ricochet shot. Other than the fact that you post about golf a lot. Um, okay. So I think that I think that's where it was. But yes. What it did was you the, say I, right after that? I didn't say anything. I didn't. Re- I didn't respond. I'll find it. Slandered. I I didn't respond. Um. Here it is. Yeah, you said I think he might get over there once the re-airing oh. Michigan spring game concludes on BTN, <laughs> which for the record I did watch. Yeah, I know you did. I, of course you did. I know you did. Uh, I Should was I looking at takeaways? my on honest. No, honestly, the only thing I was looking at was uh, when I was at at uh, American Family Field. I was on the computer and I was for some reason I thought the game. You know, the game was going to be on Fox Sports Live, and obviously it was not. It's going to be on Bally Sports. Um, and for whatever reason. I was looking at the screen when I saw the tweet come through and I saw a big 10 uh, Michigan spring game. And I'm like rear. I'm like, Oh yeah. Ben's definitely has watched that at some point. Um, and it turns yeah, out D line Zach, their D line is scary again. Well, everyone will look forward to watching that uh, when they play Wisconsin in a big 10 championship game before then don't have to worry right. about it. Right. Uh, so this is so talking snap, about. Pace? Yeah. So the snaps, yeah, the pace, the snap, this, when the snap was coming. So I looked at it today, for this little because they're not doing it all the time but they did it for this short little period of time during team drills and the snap was at 34 35 33 and then they did a little check with me you know they look over the sideline check with the coach change the play and the snap went off at 14 so uh the, the fact that the 14 is probably roughly uh about where wisconsin maybe would snap it normally um though I think probably a lot of the times they're inside 10. It's just crazy different, and it's to be expected with this offense. It's just one of those things people are going to get, gonna have to get used to, and I, I think it's going to work great when uh, you're able to move the ball and probably not so great when your defense is getting 30 seconds of rest on the sideline, as we've seen happen to, uh, against Wisconsin's defense, right? Like we've seen several speeded-up offenses – go off the field in 30 seconds and all of a sudden you have to turn the back, the ball back over to Wisconsin. Who's going to try and run it down your throat and take a whole bunch of time off the clock. Uh, this, you know, Wisconsin's on the other end of that. Now, uh, if the offense doesn't play the way it, it, uh, it wants to. Mm. You led me right into it. So I, first of all, I think I might uh, later in the show, I, I need to pull up their final drive against Arizona state in the Las Vegas bowl from a couple years ago, <laughs> just to pay homage to what, the be- like that was beautiful. That was amazing. And we're probably not going to see that again, at least to the extent of what it was that like 10 minute game killing drive. But yeah, I, I go back to when chip Kelly failed in the NFL, both in Philadelphia and San Francisco, when it started to go downhill fast, when other teams started to understand, first of all, what is he doing on offense? If we can just condition our players, we should have, we should do fine. Which uh, in the beginning it obviously worked a lot, but his defenses really suffered because they were on the field forever, and his defenses had a lot of fast guys, and they were able to, in the beginning again when the offense succeeded, it worked. Then as soon as the offense started to fail a little bit, everything failed. Which I guess the only point here to make is, 
if they play that that form, which I don't think it'll be to that extreme all the time, but if they are playing up tempo in general and running more plays, really most a lot of the success of this team is going to come down to can the offense obviously score but also control the football. Or if they are scoring yeah. instantly, what does that look like on defense? Where, yeah, I talk about defense a lot. And defense matters when you're playing the style. It, it probably matters a little more, honestly, when you're playing the style of ground and pound, hold the football, because obviously you get the ball back in your offense's hands, and that's how you win games. But in this style, it's almost as important for the offense to keep the defense off the field as it is for the defense to to get stops instantly or fast stops. Yeah. I mean, you look at, but you look at the plays per game that North Carolina ran and it was 15th in the country last year. Wisconsin was in obviously not anywhere close to that. Oh, you're going to crush my quiz. I had a quiz coming up next. Uh, how many plays per game did North Carolina run? I don't know the answer to that. All I know is they were top 15 in the country and there were only two big 10 teams that ran more plays per game than uh, North Carolina, that being Purdue and Indiana. Indiana. Yep. So it it's different. It's different. And it, it look, go back and look at Cincinnati too. Like, and I know that a lot of people said, oh yeah, Cincinnati's offense is very similar to North Carolina. Place per game, it was not. Speed of the game, it was not. So this is a, this is a change for some of the Cincinnati guys coming in here too, even though they did run more of a spread uh, certainly than Wisconsin did. It, the this the pace and everything of the actual plays, while the pace of practice may be the same as it was at Cincinnati, the pace of the plays is just different. And we saw some guys, oof, um, we saw some guys uh, dragging these these uh, last couple of days. And as you would imagine, it was the offensive lineman. But um, it's gonna. I think that is gonna be the biggest. The guys that are gonna have the biggest struggle here is the offensive line and, and getting to the point where they feel comfortable doing this. Um, those 34, 35 second, like getting the clock, like that's that's death to an offensive lineman. And it's why you're probably going to be seeing seven, eight guys playing on a regular basis. Yeah, there's a difference between offensive scheme and overall offensive approach. Like there are a yes. lot of teams out there. I Ohio State could be one of them that they don't they don't go as fast as it might look. They're just very explosive. And they do run out of, like, they probably run a similar offense scheme-wise to a lot of the teams that play very fast. But you look at Mike Leach's teams, like Mike Leach always said, uh, and rest in peace, that uh, the best clock management is scoring fast because it takes the opponent more time to score coming back, which is kind of hard to wrap your brain around when you watch Wisconsin football forever. But in general, yeah. it's like, okay, there's a difference between running a certain scheme and having an approach of just going as fast as possible. And and yeah, like the offense can control that. They obviously have, if they see the offensive line can't do it, then they're not going to do it. But to have, number one, to have the tool in the toolbox is valuable. Then you're able to go up and down the field quicker than Wisconsin has in the past. But, yes. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's something that'll happen, obviously, all the time. Um, what I wanted to to get to with plays per game is, you mentioned Indiana. Last year, they were 10th, 77.5 plays per game. Purdue was 14th, 77.1. You had other notable Big Ten teams. Northwestern was 74.2, 31st. Illinois, also 74.2. Maryland, 73.5. 
the Badgers were down at 107th, 66.5, which is, I mean, the, the difference is 10 plays, 12 plays. But the question is, where, where do you think they'll rise to? Because Ohio State sat last year at 93rd in the country at 68.3 plays per game. Michigan was 61st at 70.5. What do you think like they're with- rise to? Because also a bunch of the teams I mentioned at the top weren't good. So when they're running a lot of plays, right. it could mean they're trying to come back and trying to go as yes. fast as they can. Michigan, I think, does it, or Ohio State and Michigan, obviously do it perfectly. They win a lot of games, and also they they run more plays than the Badgers had in the past. Well, they they run more plays, they get up big, and then things start to slow down. Um, and I also think, like Ohio State wise. They were they would they would go they would go fast, but they would also they're also heavy check with me sideline team. Oh, they would you know run I mean? it down at the line. Yep. Yes. Right. So it was we're not going to let you sub, and but we're going to see the personnel that you have and we're going to take advantage of it. Um, I don't know exactly what Wisconsin could be. We this was the first time today was the first time we saw the check with me stuff, uh, and I expect Wisconsin to to be a lot of that. Minnesota is a lot of that. A lot of teams are are like that, uh, where you, you know, you have a quarterback and you have an offensive scheme, but you are able to look at the defense, see what they're lined up, seeing their personnel, and then attack it. Um, Wisconsin has not done that before. I mean, they they have the quarterback that has the ability to audible, but it's not a coach over on the sideline telling you what to run. It's oh, they the hold up the look. signboards too. Yeah. No, right. No, exactly. And that, I think we, we haven't got an exact, uh, we don't know exactly what that's going to look like in terms of getting the play in, but Phil Longo's over on the side giving signals right now, but I would expect it to be boards. It's probably at some point, but I think we there's need a bunch to brainstorm, of brainstorm Zach. We need to brainstorm the best possible board combinations, mm. which pictures to put on it, which messages, things of that nature. Will like Paul Chris face be one of them? And that's like when you're going to take you slow it down. I was thinking, yeah, I, I, we could go that direction. Yeah. No, Jack we don't Cone's go- face, which means go, you know, make a great play and score. Yeah. <laughs> Jack, Jack Cone's play uh, is the uh, intentional injury. Like go down with an injury next after um, the next snap. No, hopefully Jack Cone's face means you're surrounded by Quintus Cephas, Jonathan Taylor, then you go to Notre Dame and you have Michael Mayer who makes you look great because he's open all the time. So it could to be the XFL. for the other then receivers to the- as to get open. It's the get yeah, open. Then, then you go to the XFL and... Not necessary. Yeah. Don't need to go there. All right. Um, but where do you think Wisconsin rises to or, or could rise to? I mean, I think I, a, 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 a somewhere near where Michigan is in the top 60 or the top 40 or 50... Um, where I'd see like 70. What what would be 72, 73 plays? That would be in the, uh, that'd be around 50, 45. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Somewhere around there. It Again, it depends. If you're going to be a high scoring, we've got breaking news here. Oh. Breaking news. Oh, what is it? Ty, Tyler Wall is returning to Wisconsin next season, going to use his additional year of eligibility. Oh, no way. Yes. I, I thought you were about to say that he was going to enter the portal. Oh, that's no. awesome. Tyler Wall, according to John Rothstein, Tyler Wall coming back to Wisconsin and uh, going to be sticking around for another season 
And uh, look, I know there's a lot of Tyler Wall haters here, Zach. Wait, to, to, to tell me if you can hear this. Can you hear this? I cannot. Oh, that sucks. Is it a breaking news sounder? No, it's the celebration music. It's like, boom, oh, okay. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, I got you. Uh, I know there's a lot of Tyler Wall haters. He did not have the season that I think a lot of us expected him to have. But that dude is extremely valuable for Wisconsin. I don't care who you are. I don't care. Uh, he needs to be better around the basket. He needs to finish around the basket better. But he's he is talented. Talented and a huge lift to Wisconsin on the defensive end. And I, and I, and I think, I think, um, you know what? We should probably make sure this is actually John Rothstein. Yep. There we go. All right. It is. <laughs> Smart man. Hey, yeah. at least they could have heard it happen live if it wasn't, but yeah, that'd be, um, that'd be amazing. But yeah, he is, no, this uh, isn't yeah. a Zach Eady situation with you retweeting. No. Don't worry. Yeah. He's, he's, he's back. And, uh, Back for a fifth season. It's big. It's big. I know. Look, he needs to be better. He needs to be better around the basket. They all need to be better. But getting Tyler Wall back is uh, is big for them because they have uh, some other guys out there right now that you know could potentially be going elsewhere. Oh yeah, and and I mean just a year of health, a year of not yep. crazy losses happening all the time. Just a, a fresh slate with also hopefully uh, better players around him. Like for sure. Less attention paid to him, more space, not the pressure of I might be the only guy that can get a bucket right now. Like yeah. that all helps. Um, when when he had Johnny Davis around him, he seemed to be a lot more efficient at the rim. So um, as Wisconsin goes to the portal, obviously that's something we're watching. And yeah, having him back is huge. It's also veteran leadership, again, where he has seen the success, he's seen the failure. You need a guy like that back to try to lead it back to what we've seen previously. So when you look across the across the pond at Michigan and they're losing everybody and they're in complete shambles, I mean, Wisconsin could be gearing up for to have a pretty good team next season. Yeah. So Tyler just uh, post. Yeah, he just he just posted on uh, his Instagram. Um, like it started out, like I think where he's saying he was he was he was going to be leaving. He was going to be gone. And then uh, I've always wanted to leave Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Jersey better than I found it. And our team has accomplished a lot over the last few years, but we're not finished. I'm thrilled and thankful to be able to say I'm returning for a fifth year with the Badgers. I can't wait to create new memories with this group of guys. And this program next season has already started on Wisconsin. Let's go. Let's go. Hopefully Chucky can, can recruit that kid that was at Gonzaga. That's in the transfer portal. And honestly, wait, speaking of announcements, Connor Asijan's like, all right, all right, listen, Connor Asijan, great season. I think he's going to have a really good career. His April Fool's announcement about changing his number. Like, <laughs> come on, man. You know, like there, there were better ways. He could have said he's entering the portal and done April Fool's. That would have been hilarious. He, he could have done a lot more than just say he's changing his number. You could see right through it. There are better avenues to, to there are better ways to go about that. It, it wasn't great. It That's wasn't my great. official statement. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't great. I there have been better. There have been better April Fool's jokes in the history. Uh, but great overall news that Tyler Wall is back. We will obviously monitor the portal. We'll monitor how the roster is looking as the off season continues. Zach, I, I want to get back to football quick. So we're talking about pace. 
and what the offense could look like. And obviously a lot of it is game script dependent. If they're winning a lot, likely you'll see fewer plays as they're up big and they try to bleed the clock out, which uh, with whichever running backs are actually healthy. But I want to talk about the wide receiving core because one other big thing I've seen from spring practice, both Saturday and today have been updates have been trending updates regarding the wide receiving core Saturday being CJ Williams day. And today will Pauling running with the ones. I, I guess the question to start is, is this significant? Is this just the flow of spring practice? I think it is notable because Wisconsin had been alternate, had been uh, sharing time between the two, between Pauling and to this point, between Pauling and Skylar Bell. So it was Skylar Bell with the first group for the first two days. And then it was Will Pauling and Skylar Bell the next two days. And then today it was just Will Pauling. So I think it is significant. I, I think it would appear would appear that he has uh, moved ahead of um, Skylar Bell at this point. I don't know how much more to make it than that. But Will Pauling has been as impressive as any guy that they've had out there. So, um, yes, uh, I think it is something to be uh, that is notable. Um, I, I saw someone reached out to me on Twitter wondering about a Will Pauling Josh Downs comp. Yep. Josh Downs being a one of the primary receivers for North Carolina and uh, a guy that has had a thousand yard seasons the last couple of years, same measurables, like 5'10. 180 shifty uh downs i believe he's in the draft i I think downs is yes obviously better at this point right like he's done it but the comp of what they can be in the offense and i I do like the idea of again like we said last show gadget guy gadget guy in the slot where then you can move chimray dk around a lot more which i like a lot um here's the funny thing about that though um you say move chimray dk around I feel like, and again, it, maybe it's early, but they're not really moving guys around. They, I mean, CJ, uh, Chimray Dickey, every single, every single rep so far this spring has been as the wide receiver on the right side, wide out. Uh, every snap of Keontes Lewis, left side, uh, wide out, wide out. Like it, it just, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't, they haven't been moving guys around. Now, tight ends and slot guys, Yes, but this, uh, in terms of DK, and maybe, again, it's just it's early, and maybe they, they will, but I feel like they have guys kind of set in certain areas. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I move around. If that's, what you're, if that's what you were asking. I mean, more you can put him outside, and you can put him in the slot. Maybe. Whether if- you, like, whether you can, yes. Whether it's going to happen regularly, I don't know. Well, depending on down and distance scenario, depending on... Yeah, yeah. I got, like, you. I got, depending I got on the situation saying. in the game. Uh, obviously, depending on how the guys in the slot are playing, but I guess he would have the ability more to to do both. But all all signs of wide receivers playing well in spring practice, I love clearly. If CJ and CJ Williams is still young, so I'm not there yet with him. But I, I mean, is there a question of whether Wisconsin is too many good wide receivers with what we've seen from, from uh, Chris Brooks as well? No. Speaking of Chris Brooks, uh, first of all, no. After what 
Wisconsin's passing game has been. I don't think there anybody will ever say, oh, I don't know if they have – I think they may have too many. They may have too many guys um, on whether uh, – they may have too many wide receivers. I don't think anybody's ever going to say that. Do you think ever, anybody should ever say that? No, no I don't. Okay. No, no I think right. – well, I think having too many is a good thing. Like, would you have too many to get all of them, maybe the, the snaps that they need to get? Probably that's what not. I mean. That's what I mean, though. That's like, a good no, thing. Yes. No one's ever going to say that's a bad thing. If they Correct. have that, they have so many different guys, like, oh, horrible. What are we going to do with all these great wide receivers? No, no one's ever going to be upset about that. Um, getting the ball, if they don't get the ball, they'll go in the transfer portal and move on. That It is what it is, and more guys will come in. Um, no one is ever going to be like, oh, my gosh. We need more wide receivers. Uh, we don't have enough good wide receivers, or there's or there's just too many. Like it's just not going to happen. But the thing that you mentioned, Chris Brooks Jr. Unfortunately for him, his spring is likely done. Um, he was in a boot today, and uh, unfortunately, sounds like he is going to miss uh, the rest of spring. Uh, they said he'd be extremely limited if that uh, for the rest of spring. He's got a, he had a boot on. He was on a he was on a scooter. He's on the um, Aaron Witt Memorial scooter. And so probably have seen the last of him this spring, which is unfortunate because he had a great start. Yeah, which sucks. But that is another younger guy that that I, I mean, it would be awesome if we see him on the field a lot this season. But it's also a guy with a lot of football ahead of him and, and somebody who I mean, has come apparently a lo- very long way as bull practice has gone on and then into the spring. But that does suck to hear. They posted the video on Twitter of, of him snatching the ball away from a corner or a DB near the goal line, which was an yep. awesome play. Yeah, that was the yeah, it was the play of the day last last Tuesday, I think it was. Thursday, maybe. But last, last week Thursday. before Saturday. Because then yeah. Saturday was the CJ Williams catch, which uh Nvidia, I he didn't look very closely defended. I'll just say that. I don't get uh, whatever. No, I don't have a real take on it. I, I just like I, just just stop. Just enjoy it for it what it is. It's a good play. Just enjoy for what it is. I am it's enjoying a, it. It's a it's a great catch. It was a great I did catch. Enjoy you, it. Anybody anybody who called it a routine catch, like that hasn't watched, like I don't know what you've been watching Wisconsin football of late. No, it, it was a really good catch. It wasn't a routine. It wasn't a routine catch. It was a very good catch. Down it was was Avion Jones behind him. Absolutely. Like it, no, it was wasn't a, like it wasn't like the DB was hanging on his back as he made the catch. That came later on without film, obviously, without anybody without that that catch coming out where a guy was hanging on him and he held on to it and ripped it away from the DB and then kind of threw the ball at him when he got up. But yeah, like there have been, there was a lot of really good plays. Um, that was a really good catch. I think, I don't know how you sit here and say, Oh no, it wasn't. It was, no, it was a very good catch. I'm just saying he got open very easily. Yes. You don't need yes. to hone in on it, which we, I mean, maybe that's impressive for his part. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, any other offensive notes quick before I, I want to get to the, Transfer portal cornerback and what it says about the defense. Um, Jack Pugh, lot, lot, lot of movement for Jack Pugh today. Lining up in a bunch of different spa- uh, spots. Some in the backfield, some in the slot, some in a stack formation behind a wide receiver. Um, so it was, yes, Jack Pugh. I think ha- has a chance to to be a weapon. Now maybe just be because there's not a whole lot of other tight ends available at this point, but. Jack Pugh's a, I think Jack Pugh's athletic ability kind of gives him a chance to, to do something um, special. That leads in very well, because when one would think out there, 
if you're out there listening and you think about which positions might need the most portal help, if, if kind of like what we did with, with the free agency in college football, if there would be one position where you could look around the country and say, okay, that guy comes in and plays for a year, say it's, it's the best of their position, where would that be? I think defensive line could be an answer. Obviously quarterback for the reasons we discussed, but tight end, I think would be an answer. Yes. Given the unknowns and the injury concerns there. Another position, which it seems that Wisconsin is going out to try to find help at, is cornerback. So they offered Josh DeBerry. He is a grad transfer from Boston College. He played with Jason Mitre there in the secondary for a couple years. He entered the portal a couple weeks ago, which I think is a product of him being a grad transfer, if I'm not mistaken, Zach, where there's obviously yes. the, yep. the, the portal windows. But a grad transfer, I think the rules are a little different. So he yep. enters the portal in late March. He's not a guy that's been in there for months. Uh, he's played four years in college. It, it it looks like he had a really good 2020 and 2021 seasons, but mm -hmm. it's hard to tell about a cornerback on a stat sheet because if he has a lot right. of tackles, is that you are very aggressive at the line and you go and tackle in the backfield, which he does, seven tackles for loss a couple of years ago, or is that you allow a lot of receptions and then you tackle the guy. So it's hard to just tell based on the stat sheet, but from a lot of what I could see from Boston college people, like he seems to be a, a pretty impressive player, a pretty good player. And Wisconsin offers him. What does this tell you? What do you think it means? I think it was probably just a coincidence that it happened after Saturday's practice. But, um, you know, I've, I've talked to some people around the building. I don't know that they think, that they believe the cornerback room is where they want it to be yet. I think that they still have some growth there. Here's the thing. There's a lot of uh, young talent that they brought in in the in the recruiting class, whether it is the two guys that are already here in Jonas DeClona and Jace Arnold, or it's Amari Snowden, who uh, was here today with, his, with some other teammates. He won't actually arrive and be here until um, uh, until the summer. And then you know, obviously, Avion Jones coming in last year. Uh, Max Lofi's still somewhat young. Ricardo Hallman's only going to be a redshirt sophomore. So they have a lot of young guys, but they don't have any proven young guys. They don't have any proven guys outside of Alexander Smith. And so that, to me, is kind of why you want to go out and get some help because you have him and Jason Maitre. I, I know, I obviously, Jason Maitre's proven as well. But those are the two you have. And both of those guys are starters. And I think Ricardo Hallman could probably be a starter this year, but they haven't gotten it to the point where I think they feel like they were at Cincinnati, like where they can count on these guys to be locked down and they can go do whatever they want with the rest of the defense. And so adding other potential starters to the mix makes a ton of sense to me. And I don't think DeBerry, if they don't get him, uh, will be the last. I think when this portal opens up in what, May 1st, they could definitely be in the market for another corner um, or two. Yeah, at Cincinnati, I mean, you look back at the secondary they had on their 2021 team, it's insane. Yeah. They yes. had Sauce Gardner, who's NFL, I think, defensive rookie of the year, and then Kobe, uh, Kobe Bryant, who was, I think, won the award for the best corner in the country that season. And yeah, it did help a lot of what they did on defense. I mean, the, the room, clearly, Alex Smith is the one known. And 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 not to say the other guys can't be something, but talk about redshirt freshman Avion Jones. 
No, they came after COVID. Never mind. There's not confusion. <laughs> Redshirt sophomore, uh, Al Ashford, who is, I, I guess, been out, not with the program. Ricardo Hallman is in there as well. It's it's not a room that has a lot of experience. You could look around yeah. the rest of the team and even the rooms where we might have questions, there are older guys that have played more. For here, it's like, okay, Holman played a bit last year, but it's Alex Smith who also has some some injury concerns. Um, and, and then Maitre's in there, obviously, as well. But, yeah, to me, it's a because someone immediately responded when the offer came out and said, oh, it's been that bad in practice, which I don't necessarily think is the only reason. I'm sure it has to be part of it. They wouldn't go in the portal if they didn't think their room needed help, but there also could be a, a chance this kid's really good. Yeah, I, I don't Th- think that they see him as a big upgrade. Um, obviously, I, he would be in the NFL draft if he was that good. But think right. about kind of what they did last year, seeing Jay Shaw, Cedric Dort, Justin Clark. Like it kind of feels a move akin to that. Maybe a bit better if he's a better player, but someone who comes in for a year that has played and has experience, and you can rely on them at least to to give a baseline of performance. Yeah, for sure, for sure, and. As I said, if it's not DeBerry, I think it'll be somebody else when the portal opens in May. Because I think there's going to be a lot of good players that maybe, um, or not, maybe it's good players, uh, talented players that have maybe a idea that they deserve to play more than they're playing at their current place, or maybe they're they're on a depth chart that's absolutely loaded and they're not going to be able to you know crack the two D that end up in the portal that maybe Wisconsin wants, but. I think in the portal, you're looking for a guy to experience. And that's what DeBerry has. Cause you have a ton of guys right now that you, you like, but aren't experienced. They need some more experience. I think at corner um, than they have right now. And and some people yell, be like, how do you get experience if you don't play? And if you bring in other experienced guys, how are these guys ever going to play? But these guys are true freshmen. Jones to is a true freshman. Jason Arnold's a true freshman. Mari Snow is a true freshman. Avion Jones, a red for redshirt freshman. So there, there are other ways to get experience um, than necessarily throwing them to the wolves. Uh, and if you have an opportunity to get a guy like a DeBerry, they clearly uh, want to take a run at it. I'll tell you what, he does impress me in the limited clips I've been able to watch. Seems very physical. We talk about classic. Like I, I like cornerbacks that like to come up and tackle behind the line and maybe blitz off the edge. He seems like one of those guys. So if he does commit, I, I mean, I would get pretty excited about him. I also, I think the Jason Maitre connection has to be mentioned where I'm sure they would run by him and say, okay, like what's what's up with him? And I mean, if he, Jason Maitre would know how how good this kid is more than anybody else. So Correct. Yeah, no, for sure. An extra little scout. So that's something to monitor. Wisconsin in the portal. In terms of portal numbers, not to put you on the spot, I, I know we had, talked about it a little while ago do you have at the top of your head the roster count and how much turnover they would need to be with yeah, all so the, what, the freshmen coming in yeah so last time i looked it was at 90 um and they have to be at 85 so five um which is before thing, other potential transfers as well coming in correct correct um so yeah, be, before anybody else would have to come in, they would have to uh, lose some guys. But that's what May's for. They get, the thing is, these they have all of May to deal with this uh, before the other freshmen actually arrive in the summer. So they, they have a, an entire 
month to deal with it after spring ball. And, and that's what they'll do. I mean, I, I was asked a question, like some of the guys that I think might be potential um, guys that end up, you know, no longer having a scholarship or no longer being here. And it's, I think that's really tough. It's um, it's a question of older guys farther down the depth chart, a guy like a Julius Davis who has been around, but hasn't really done anything and uh, remains in it and now is hurt and isn't taking part. Like, do you say goodbye to him? Um, there, there are a number of guys that you could sit there and say, yep, nope, 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 he's gone, see you later, nope. Just because for, for a variety of reasons. I don't think they're going to have any problem, whether it's them saying goodbye or whether it's other guys saying, hey, uh, this I'm at the bottom of the depth chart. I'm not going to play. Where can I go to get some playing time? Um, and those guys will be gone. That's what this spring is for, too. I think there are some guys that aren't getting playing time right now. They're going to be looking and saying, ah. Oh, um, maybe it's best elsewhere and they'll have that conversation with him. But it's a little unfair for me to sit here and say, yeah, this guy and this guy and this guy should be gone um at this point. There's just they they I'm sure they have it figured out and uh sure. will have it figured out. For sure. Uh in, in terms of other needs or other thoughts, tight end, tight end. Line. Yeah, tight end is is because it's just injury wise, you're not sure uh where I like the young guys, Clay Cundiff, excuse me, uh, Jack Pugh and uh, JT Seagreaves. And, you know, you get another year of Jack Eschenbach. The, the, that three is obviously playing a bunch. Not Riley Nowakowski's playing a bunch right now. Then it goes to the um, the guys that are hurt, Cam Larch and Koldakovich and Hayden Rucci and Clay Cundiff. And how many of those guys fit into what Wisconsin wants to do right now? I don't know. And so you wonder if they might, that might be a place where you find a scholarship, but uh tight end is certainly a place that I think you would look and see if there's anybody out there, but mm, defensive line. I don't think so. I don't, unless there's like a big time defensive tackle or a nose tackle that you can say that you can, he's like going to have like a Keanu Benton type of, impact i don't think so because i don't know how many how often you're gonna be playing more than two defense linemen uh at a time in this defense at least well, this also, first year also if if he's that good why is he in the portal yes right. well that could maybe be more of an after the season thing but i don't see i unless yeah. he's young and wants playing time well that's what that i'm saying like a, a project like a, like a guy that they could see having that type of an impact in his career right um but he, I, I don't know it's really, really hard right now just because it's still only a third of the way through spring and there's plenty of things that can happen here in the next 10 practices. But um, corner is the, is the big one for me. Corner is the big one to this point in spring is, is the big one for me. Yeah, and they're showing that it's a, a priority. Yeah, I mean, yep. there, there are obviously positions where you say, okay, if there's a great one available, do it. But how many great, great players will be available with this window? I guess it kind of is an unknown because it's the first time the window is is happening. Yeah. In the past, it was just a free-for-all. So there could be situations where kids just leave because of playing time and they're that good. So that is kind of an unknown. So that is also something uh, to watch as we go about spring. The other, uh, a couple quick pieces of news, Zach, before we get out of here. Uh, again, thank you for listening on podcast. Leave a review. We're at 50, which is great. It's still a pretty low number just in general. So leave, say something negative, say something positive, leave a review. 
Uh, do you know you can you know you can leave reviews now on Spotify as well? No, I did not. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't yeah, know, man. Do you? Have, there's a there's a Q and A function on Spotify now, and so like every like oh. even every time every time you post an episode, it just says, "Oh, what did you, what did you have, what do you think about this episode?" And it gives you an opportunity to to answer. I loved it. I hated it. Whatever you whatever you want. So not enough I don't pitch know. clock talk. Too much pitch yes. clock talk. Exactly. Things exactly. of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, obviously, uh, if you're listening this deep, I figure you heard it the first time, but. Thursday, four to six, we're live at Monks. We'll be on for two hours here in Madison. We'll be live in a, in Lacrosse as well if you live there in podcast form Friday morning. But come out. We'll have a beer or two. Talk Badgers. Uh, a couple quick news and notes. Number one, Badgers received a commitment. Derek Jensen in the class of 2024, three-star from Heartland, Wisconsin, number five player in the state. They already have the sixth best player, I believe. Uh, committed to them. Jesse Temple wrote a piece up on The Athletic, urge everyone to go read it, that uh, Fickle and Bicknell, the offensive line coach, saw him in their scheme while there wasn't as much communication between him and the Christ era. But Fickle and Bicknell emphasized to him that he saw them fitting in their offensive line scheme. Do you have any takeaways from this in general, from the piece, from the commitment? Yeah, so... Obviously, Jesse talked to a lot of people, uh, including Matt Harris, who's the head coach at Arrowhead. I had an opportunity to chat with Matt Harris as well yesterday. It's on the on this on today's episode of the camp, so you can go and listen to that. Um, Ooh, big scoops. But, well, but he talked about how important the state has, you know, what, what Luke Fickle staff and how they're trying to get to know the the high school coaches and in the high school talent and the high and where where they need to be in the state and arrowhead was one of the first places they went to and it's not like they added it's not like they offered Derek Jensen right away right they didn't offer him until January 28th so and they took over in early December they had a lot going on there's no doubt about that but um some guys like when you are a plan A guy or a plan B guy, and, and maybe they he was a plan A guy for Fickle and staff, and maybe he was a plan B guy for the um, for the former staff. Uh, a lot of guys. I, I I think there's at least some idea that if you're from Wisconsin, you should be expected to go to Wisconsin. And that, while that may have been the case for quite some time, that's no longer the case. We've seen Ohio State come in here. We've seen Notre Dame come in here. Um, you have to you have to work those guys too. And if you want them, go after them. And if you don't, well, then don't be mad if they go some, if they get, uh, if, if other people come in and, and want to have them, because there's a lot of good talent in this state. But I, I really don't. I, I think Derek Jensen's a fascinating addition. Uh, he's listed at 6'6, uh, 285, but he's actually 6'7, 330, uh, according to, to Matt Harris. So he's a, he's a big guy. And does he play tackle? Does he play guard? I think that, that also, is is something else that's interesting here, but they clearly wanted him. They went and offered him and he commits and it's a really good program. And um, it feels like a really good player. And he's, he's, I think he's the fifth best player in the state, according to the composite rankings. Uh, they've got the fourth yeah, Rob one. Booker Rob, is fourth. Rob Booker is fourth. And then the other three are oh. rather big, big time players too. Right. Big time. Uh, yeah. With, you know, Donovan Harbor at Catholic Memorial and Nathan Roy at McQuanago. And then Corey Smith at 
Catholic Memorial as well, they this in-state class can be a big, big boon to what they want to do in this 24 class as a whole, just like kind of was in 21, right? With some of the good players that they had in 21 and some of the good players that they, that were in part of the class of, uh, of 22. The 23 class sucked in the state. The 24 class is really good. Uh, I think there's 11 guys that have division one offers uh, and almost all of them, I believe are power five offers. So a lot of really good talent in the state and Derek Jensen is a part of that. The class overall, Badger-wise, off to a good start. Brant Steck, the tight end from Illinois, four-star. Obviously, Mabry, Mabry Metower nailed, which, I I mean, if you talk about the quarterback eye test, I think Metower is the definition of it because he looks like Trevor Lawrence because he has long hair. But we'll <laughs> see if he can actually play. But he's committed. They're uh, w- way too early, 28th in the country. I mean, also, I don't know the best way to phrase this, Zach, so I'm just going to hmm. say it. And then we can dissect it to see what I really mean, which often is what happens on this show. There also were recruiting battles recently that Wisconsin was high on that they lost. And just because like Pickle and company and Longo and the staff have done an incredible job so far. And I think they will do a really good job recruiting in the future. But that does not mean just because of how great Fickle's been so far that they're going to land everybody. Couple kids went like they they lost two kids to Michigan, I believe, that they really wanted or that they were at least high on the list to get. But they went to Michigan. Like they're still battling with some really premier programs. So how do you loss? Yeah, bigger losses for Ohio State than for Wisconsin. Oh, for sure. For sure. Considering they were from the state of Ohio. They wanted those kids. Wisconsin obviously wanted those kids. Like the Marshall running back, like the the, uh, Marshall, a running back. Yep. They wanted him desperately, right? He was from Cincinnati. Like they, Yes, they put a ton of effort into it, but it hurts more to lose a kid like that if you're Ryan Day to Michigan than it does if you're oh for sure if you're uh, if you're Luke Fickle for sure. I mean the I, I mean point number one is what's the biggest thing that can lead to a lot of that success? Winning on the field, which they can't do until September. So right. if they come out and have a great season, I mean I'm sure that'll result in a great recruiting cycle because the hype is actually being delivered on. Uh, but but still. It's not all going to, like, it's recruiting, which is a, a really tough game to to master, to win. So we'll see over the long term what happens. I think they'll be great, but it, it doesn't mean it's all 100% they're going to go land every great player from Cincinnati, from Ohio, from Michigan, from from everywhere. Just to no, Just that we see those, like a kid like that who commits to Michigan from Ohio and not still say, you know, why can't Wisconsin go win for those guys? It's like it's a tough game. It's a tough game to win. It's extremely so, tough game to win. That happens. Um, a- any other news and notes? I have one significant piece to hit before we get out of here. Nope, I'm good. Go for it. Hunter Dickinson entered the transfer portal. Oh my god, really? <laughs> why? Why? Uh, unknown, but he has entered <laughs> the portal. A couple other Michigan guys have gone to the draft. Obviously, we talk about guards' job and his status and safety and missing the tournament. Michigan doesn't have a roster, Zach. Really? Half of their team's gone. The Buffkin kid's gone, who was like their, I feel like, best scorer. Dickinson's gone. One of the Howards are gone. So with Wall coming back and guard is some, some room to add some pieces and see if the team can be pretty good next year. Meanwhile, you look across and Mr. Juwan Howard 
all, all they're doing right now is failing. Let's say that. You hate to see it. You do you hate to see it. You, you do. See it. And it, yet it's so yet, funny. You know, Dickinson's in the portal. Yeah. And yet, you know, that with Juwan Howard and with the money that I'm sure the NIL and everything else in Ann Arbor and in and around Michigan and just their history, they're going to go after some guys and they're going to get some guys and they're going to have a good roster next year. And that's just the way it's going to be. So, um, It'll probably be coached you very can, poorly. Though. You can dance. We can. You can dance on the grave, but uh, I'm dancing. Yeah, the guy might be grabbing up and pulling you down with him. That's fine. That, that's fine. I'll dance until I'm forced to do something else. So. Gotcha. Nothing wrong with that. There you go. Uh, national title game was last night. I only watched the first half. It was a, a route. Congrats to UConn. They're great. They now join the Badgers as a blue blood of college basketball. According to some congratulations, uh, some graphics. So congrats yep. to UConn. And congrats. I, I think that's it. Anything yeah. else? I got nothing else. Cool. Uh, so we will talk to you coming up on Thursday, live in Moncton Sun Prairie again, four to six on the air in podcast form on Friday. Spring practice talk. I have some general takes for the season that I might want to throw out there as well. So a lot to come. We appreciate everybody hanging around. Leave a review. Be nice to us. And we will talk to you on Thursday. See ya.